Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. You know, as family, we have like insider lingo. Your families probably have insider lingo, right? Like little phrases that other people, if they sat at dinner with you, they, they you know, wouldn't maybe understand because you got insider phrases, right? Well, we are the vineyard, right? And so we have some insider language. And so I would just love maybe uh, if you know little catchphrases or insider language, just shout those out to me. Do you know some phrases? I'm taking a risk here, but just just say one, you know, that Everybody gets to play. Somebody else. Come Holy Spirit. So good. So good. Is that, is that like Vineyard Cleveland insider language? It's like so good. So good. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you're saying that during this teaching, I hope. Anyway, uh, somebody else. Any insider language? Meets in the street. Change in his pocket, I think I heard somebody say. Yeah. Very good. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be, that apparently is a Vineyard Cleveland insider family language, right? It's going to be amazing. I'm going to pick up a few of these and start using them. So good. So good. It's going to be amazing. So, well, we have these, we have these phrases, you know, one of our phrases, I don't know if it's a catchphrase or not, but uh, the idea of power evangelism is a little phrase that we'll use, like this idea that, that actually, you know, Jesus taught us to do evangelism, not just with proclamation, although that's very important, not just with rational thinking and talking through things or apologetics, which are incredibly important and need to be tools in our toolbox, but also Jesus said, like, we need to, to demonstrate the good news. And so we have this, this power evangelism thing in our, uh, in, our, in, our, in our toolbox. We also, another phrase is like naturally supernatural, right? You know that one? Like we believe in the supernatural, but we can actually do these things in kind of a natural style. It doesn't need to be, you know, uh, over the top or weird. Or you don't have to change your voice. So you don't have to have the lights just right or wear the right suit with the right shoes, right? Like, like you can actually just do this anywhere. And yet, what I find so often are two, two things. One is when you start talking about evangelism, uh, Christians get nervous. Like, you can do a class on evangelism, and you'll get a pretty good turnout, I think. You actually say, we're going to go do evangelism, and, like, if you're leading that, you're the only one that shows up. Like, you know, it's just like, like Christians are like, we freeze. Like, we know we're supposed to do it, and so we freeze when it actually comes to doing evangelism. And that's one of the reasons I like power evangelism, because any kind of word you can add to evangelism to make it sound better, I kind of like. Uh, and so, but it's tough to do evangelism. And then the other reason it can be tough to do evangelism is because oftentimes you've probably not seen it done in a very natural or supernatural way, right? Like it's, it comes off canned or forced or, you know, like uh, I, I seriously, I had a buddy of mine, he's a vineyard pastor, and when he was a little boy, an evangelist came to his church to give them tools on how to share their faith. And he, he said like, he said like, if you're at the gas station, and you're pumping gas, and there's somebody next to you, and they're pumping gas, and, and you look up at the sign, and you say, if the S fell off of that sign, what's it spell? And they say, hell. You go, yeah, and that's where you'll end up if you don't accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior. I mean, that's, that's not a great evangelism method. You're like, I just saw somebody taking notes, like, okay, I'm going to do that. <laughs> do not do that. When I was planting the first church I was a part of as a, as a church planter, I was in Northwest Ohio, and 
I worked at a furniture factory, and uh, one night, I was third shift, and one of the guys, he, he was a pretty intense fella, and uh, he, he said, I'm going to share my faith tonight. And I was like, he knew I was a believer. I'm like, okay. And I, I had no idea what to expect. And so it's break time, and he gathers us all around like this drafting table, and he whips out uh, like a road map. Um, uh, for those of you, you know, uh, younger than me, a roadmap is like this piece of paper that had lines on it, and like you actually had to follow how to get from point A to point B. It was much like, you know, your Maps app, except it was on paper, and it, and it rarely talked to you. But anyway, so he lays this map out, and he unfolds it. You know, it's this big thing, and it's like uh, a, a road, and it's your life, and down here's the flames of hell, and here's heaven, there's a cross, and, and he, like, looks at everybody around, and he tells the story of salvation, and I'm not tracking, like, okay, this is good. Then he, like, looks at all of them, and he's like, now, I'm going to end up here, because I've accepted Jesus. You're going to end up here, and, like, nobody got saved, you know. I think, you know, souls saved zero, souls permanently hardened to the gospel was probably eight or nine, you know, so it just was not good, you know. We struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with the naturally supernatural thing. We struggle with just sharing our faith, and yet there's a twinge of conviction and guilt anytime we talk about evangelism because we kind of know it's like the prime directive, isn't it? Like, you ever just follow how Jesus calls people in the New Testament? Like, he, he, he never says, like, follow me and I'll make your marriage better. Although I think Jesus will do that. He doesn't think, you know, he doesn't say, follow me and I'll get your finances in order. Although I think following Jesus will have an impact on how you spend money and how you save, how you budget, how generous you are. Um, he doesn't say, follow me and I'll heal you. Although there are times that Jesus will obviously comes and heals. Do you remember how he called people? He said, follow me and I will teach you how to catch more people. That's what he said to a fisherman. Like, and he just says that, like, the prime directive of following Jesus is actually helping others follow Jesus. And it can be so tough to do that, particularly in a naturally supernatural way. What would it look like to share our faith in a naturally supernatural way? That's the question I want to answer in today's talk. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 3, and we'll be looking there to, to uh, get the answer to this question. And as you turn there... Um, you know, what I hope happens is if, if, if you're just here seeking Jesus or just exploring or, or maybe a family member drug you here like you don't even want to be here right now, what I hope is is that you encounter Jesus. I'll just lay all my cards on the table. I hope that you encounter Jesus and his love. I, I know you've already experienced his love in the way you were welcomed because this, I can tell this is a welcoming place and welcoming people. And so you've experienced God's love that way. You've experienced his presence during worship. And I'm praying during the teaching, you have a sense of Jesus. And, and I'll just, you know, be honest. I would pray that, that by the end of this talk, you'll like say, I want to follow Jesus. Like this interests me. I want to learn how to do life, how Jesus would want me to do life. If you've been in church a long time, I pray that this encourages you and puts more tools in your toolbox to be able to share your faith. And that maybe even this week, you will see God move in your life in a naturally supernatural way, and people will, will get touched. You know, in Acts chapter 3, here's, here's kind of where we're at, that 
we find two leaders of the early church, Peter and John. We, we think this is probably just a few months after uh, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we call Pentecost. It could be two, three, four, maybe six months. We're not quite sure how long it is. But what we know is they're followers of Jesus, and yet they're still kind of in the rhythm of their culture as Jews that they go to the temple and they pray. And it appears that they, they pray daily. And so they're heading there to pray, and good Jews would pray at the morning sacrifice and at the evening sacrifice and at sunset. And so they're going in the afternoon and, and praying there. Um, they would approach the Temple Mount. And so we have a picture of that, I think. They would approach the Temple Mount, and there would be these walls and these different, these different uh, courts. And so, you know, one wall would be like just the whole Temple Mount itself. And so uh, they would go inside of that, and then there would be like a court for the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and a court for the, for the women. And, and so there's these different places as you would begin to get closer and closer to the Temple and the Holy of Holies. And so they're at this place called the the beautiful gate. And so that gate right there be a prominent gate uh, where many people would come and go, and all the Gentiles would be outside of it. There would be a sign that would say, uh, no Gentiles beyond this point, uh, unless you want to face the penalty of death. And so there would be all these people coming to worship, and then the women would go through, and then the men would go through, and they're all making their way to this inner court. And this is where Peter and John are. As they're outside that place on the, on the screen there where it says, beautiful gate. And as they walk through there, they see a beggar. Let's read the story and answer the question, how could we share our faith in a naturally supernatural way? Take a look at verses 1 through 3 with me. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So notice Luke, he is the, 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 he's a physician, he's a historian, uh, he was a follower of Jesus, he writes uh, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He just gives details of like exactly where this event is happening, the condition of the man, what time it's happening, all these things. And then he says, this man was put there to beg. Maybe to understand the story a little bit, it, it would be helpful for you to understand uh, like begging in the ancient world. And, and actually, Begging actually works this way in parts of our world today. Um, for instance, uh, begging was, was, could be an occupation. Um, in India recently, I read a story in India where like a thousand beggars got together and went on strike and demanded housing and food. You know, I mean, because it, it, it was like a career. There's places in Latin America that have experienced similar things. What often happened, particularly for the lame guy, is that he would be put in a prominent place. So he's put at the temple gate called Beautiful, where people would come in. They would have money on them because they're going to give an offering. They're going to pay temple tax. And so this would be a coveted area. Likely he either had paid the rights for that area or somebody that was using him. And, and they would get, you know, a skim off of that of what he would, would take in, they would place him there. And so this is a guy that isn't just the first day he's there. He's probably been there many, many times that Peter and John have gone. And it's, it's fairly likely that the times that Jesus went to the temple, he's passed this guy. And yet something different is going to happen today. And this is the perfect setup for a naturally supernatural power evangelism encounter. Take a look at verses 4 through 11. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Put your finger there. Let's pause there. 
I think that's significant, right? Like to actually notice this guy. Like when people want something from me, particularly money, I don't look them in the eye. Like you do that like there's like a bake sale or Girl Scout cookie. Well, Girl Scout cookies, I probably look in the eye because I want the Girl Scout cookies. But there, there's some kind of a fundraiser outside the grocery store and like you like just avert your eyes, right? You don't even go there, right? Like you walk into Sam's or Costco and there's the person selling you direct TV or a new cell phone plan and you just kind of look away, right? Because like we just, we don't want to be asked for money. We don't, but yet Peter and John do something significant here, probably something that doesn't happen to this guy very often. They looked at him. They took notice. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. That's amazing, isn't it? Like, he's not only just healed, and Luke, the physician, tells us exactly where and how that happens. But, like, he's, he's healed in his brain, too, because it's like, if you ever watch The Matrix, like, he's getting a download on how to walk. The guy has never walked, and all of a sudden he can go, not only are his legs strong again, his, the, the connections happen, and he knows how to do it. He knows how to dance and leap. And, you know, I'm 50 years old. I still don't know how to dance, and I don't leap very well. But this guy does it, like, instantly. Like, this is a miracle that happens, not only just the restoring of strength, but the ability and the knowledge to do it. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet, began to walk. He went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astounded and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Now, if we had time to read the rest of the passage, and many of you are familiar with Acts 3 and 4, you would see that like hundreds and then thousands come to know Jesus that day because it provides a place to do evangelism. They knew the beggar. They knew he had been lame. They see a miracle, and it gives the opportunity for Peter and John to share their faith. They had passed this guy hundreds of times, most likely, but on this day, they looked at him, and not only did they look at him with human eyes and notice him and give him value and compassion in the moment, but as they looked at him, they obviously looked with the eyes of the Father, and they saw that the Heavenly Father was at work that day. You, you remember our verse, right? Like John 5 and 19, I think if there's a verse, like probably every movement has a little verse. I think the Vineyard's verse is John 5, 19. I only do the things that I see the Father doing. And on that day, they saw what the Father was doing. They looked at the man. They looked with the eyes of the Father. And then they leapt into action to actually help the man. Now, not only did they look with eyes of faith in that situation, but, you know, they also knew that they had been given the power of the Spirit to, to witness, you know? I didn't put it on the slide, but Acts 1-8 talks about, like, wait on me and I'll, I'll give you the Spirit and you will be, you'll have power and you will be my witnesses, right? So they had that. And then, and then they knew not only had they been, they, they'd been given like a couple kinds of power, like one of the kinds of power that, that we have up there, we won't read the Scriptures, but Luke 9 and 10, is that they had the dunamis power. That means, like, the, the innate ability to do something. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are receiving the power of God to actually be able to do what he says to do. 
One of my favorite prayers in the, in the Word is, is Ephesians 1, where it says, it talks about that you would have, uh, your, the eyes of your heart would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It goes through like, so you would know the mighty riches of God's grace you would have, which is incredible. But then it says that you would know the power you have through the Spirit. And he says that same power raised Jesus from the dead and set him above all princes and principalities. That's amazing. The power that raised Jesus from the dead and has put him above all demonic powers is at the right hand of the Father. He reigns supreme over everybody. And the scriptures say, Paul says, he prays for believers that they would understand the kind of dunamis power they have inside of them. You have the ability to do it. But not only do you, not, do you, do you have the ability to do it, you've also been given the exousia, that's a Greek word also, that, that is that you have the authority to use that power. So like exousia power would be like if you were an ambassador, you would have the authority to speak on behalf of the president and you've been given some range of options to be able to negotiate and, and you know, do a treaty or something. Or think about this, like, like the police. If a policeman is out directing traffic, the police officer doesn't really have the dunamis power to stop cars, right? I mean, if he puts his hand up or she puts her hand up, it's like... <laughs> not happening, right? What they have is the exousia power, the authority, because they have the uniform and the badge, and behind that stands the law and the judicial system, right? That's the power they have. Peter and John knew when they saw the guy, and God alerted him, hey, I'm healing him that day. They knew we not only have the power of Jesus, the innate ability to do what he's asked us to do, we've also given the authority to do it. I just want to say, like, we all, we all get nervous about sharing our faith. You have been given the power and ability to do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. And it's not just so that we feel good in the moment, although I love feeling good in the moment. It's not just for the, what we experience in worship, although this weekend has been very refreshing for me as I've worshiped the Lord and encountered His Spirit. It's not just for that. He's actually giving you that Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses. I'll give you the Holy Spirit, the power to be my witnesses to the world. You've been given that. And then you've been deputized, and, and, and Jesus has, like, sent you, like, right? Like, you're to go. He's given you the authority to share the good news. He's given us both those powers. Now, the result, as we see, is the guy is instantly healed. At first, he walks, and then he jumps, and does kind of the pogo praise thing. You know, he's jumping and leaping and, and everything. Some of you have been in some worship environments where people get the pogo thing going, you know. And uh, so he's doing that, and it attracts a crowd, and he gives Peter and John an, uh, uh, an opportunity to share the gospel. In fact, the lame walking is a direct sign from the Old Testament that Messiah has come. You know, as I, as I look around the book of Acts, it's hard to find a story where it's just purely somebody sharing their faith with words. There's always some kind of a demonstration that happens, whether it's healing or deliverance or the feeding of widows. There's like all this demonstration, and then on the other side of it, people come to know Jesus. The most prominent form of evangelism in the early church was power evangelism. I define, uh, or actually I probably stole this from somebody, uh, I don't think I define it this way, but power evangelism is defined as not just proclaiming your faith, it is demonstrating your faith. This is often done through spontaneous, spirit-inspired, empowered presentations through words of knowledge, prophetic words, healing prayers, or deliverance. It transcends the rational. 
You know, one of the things I love when I was hearing your guys' announcement, I mean, it's amazing how many families, how many meals you get out in your food pantry. One of the things I love about a food pantry is like you can proclaim that God loves you and that, you know, he, that, that people, his people love you, but then you're demonstrating with, with food. But then the other thing, as you're interacting with people at your food pantry, it like provides an opportunity to do this very thing, to look at people, to notice them, to have compassion, and then just to ask, Father, what are you doing? If you're always at work, what are you doing right now? And then just get into to conversations and begin to pray for people and see how God moves and touches their life. We can be naturally supernatural evangelistic people, I think, by looking and leaping. Peter and John looked and they leapt into action, right? We can do the same. We can be naturally supernatural evangelistic people by simply just keeping our eyes open, not only to the needs of people, but also to what are you doing right now, Father? And as you see that, you leap into action. You begin to pray. In the 1200s, the priest and philosopher and theologian Thomas Aquinas was called to visit the Pope in Rome. Upon entering into the Pope's uh, room, he, the Pope had all these gold coins and silver coins that he was uh, counting. And he looked up and he said, Thomas, Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas looked at the Pope and said, nor can the church say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. <laughs> Let it not be said of us, brothers and sisters, with our programs and our buildings and our churches and the great things that we have, which are all phenomenal, not against any of those things. They're all needed tools. But may it be said of us that we have the power and compassion of Jesus to be able to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Like if you spend enough time with this, if you come to our small groups, if you come to our services, if we have coffee at some point or another, you will experience the presence of Jesus. Let that be said of us. Let that be our testimony. You will actually know that Jesus is real. I heard a pastor recently talking about Alpha, and Alpha is just a thing where you do, uh, people who don't know Jesus come, it's a safe place to do discussion groups and community groups, and they show like a hard-hitting video, like, who is Jesus? And it's all the apologetic things of Jesus. And then the next, then, then when you get in the group, anybody can say anything. So if you're an atheist, you can say, I don't believe any of that. And they're like, oh, that's awesome, man. You know, whatever. You know, like, <laughs> and, and if you've ever led Alpha, you always pick the person who you know is most against the content and give them the floor because then it just opens everybody else. Like, oh, we actually can say that and not get debated or put down. So anyway, I was listening to a, uh, a vineyard pastor that runs Alpha a lot. And just earlier this summer, uh, Alpha near the end has a Holy Spirit retreat. It's a Friday and a Saturday, and it's, and it's usually done in your church. Some people actually do go into a retreat. But anyway, guy comes up to the, the pastor that was leading the retreat and, and just says, hey, I just want to let you know, I, you know, this guy's an engineer, he's, he's like very, he's, he's, he does not believe in God, but yet he came because his, his wife said he should come, and so um, he goes, I, I know these things, I know processes, I'm an engineer, I know when things are building, you're like leading up to something, and I just want to be very clear, I'm not doing any of it. Like, you're not pulling the wool over my eyes. Whatever this is leading up to, give your life to Jesus, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Not doing it, whatever. And, uh, uh, and so uh, the pastor said, oh, that's great. Like, that's, this is a free space. Like, yes, you're right, it probably is, but it, we're not trying to manipulate that. It's just like, yeah, we're trying to give information, give you uh, relationships, and then obviously we're going to pray for people, whatever. So the weekend keeps going. It gets near the end of the weekend. There's an opportunity for anybody who wants to be filled with the Spirit just to stand and say, I want to get filled with the Spirit. Well, this atheist engineer stands up. And so the pastor goes down and says, 
like, you know, Jim, what are, what are you doing, man? Like, I thought you said, like, this was building and I'm doing it. And he goes, well, I just got thinking, like, if this is real, then, like, then why not? Like, give it a try. And if nothing happens, I know it's not real. And of course, that dials up, you know, things. And uh, so the pastor says, I'll pray for you. He prays for him. And as he just begins to pray, like, come Holy Spirit, fill this man up. The guy hits his knees and just sobbing, just sobbing. And the pastor, you know, praying and praying. And you've been in these situations, right? Like you're praying and praying. And then you're looking around like, how, 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 how long do I stay? I don't know what to do. Like, like other people are beginning to disperse for the break. And, and finally, you're just kind of like, well, he's kind of having his own moment. I, I guess he doesn't need me. You know, kind of, and so the guy had a legitimate experience. And so uh, the next Sunday, he's at church. And he comes up to the pastor. He's like, man. Like, this is real. And the pastor goes, well, yeah, I've been kind of saying that. It is, yeah. I know it's, and he goes, no, I mean, really, really. You need to understand, this is real. And the pastor's like, I, I know it's real. And, you know, he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, this is really real. And the pastor says, well, what do you think? I was just teaching a lie or what? Like, I didn't know it was real. Like, the guy had had a serious encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it was all because the church had created a place for people to encounter the presence and power of Jesus. And even an atheist can be touched by the love of Christ, right? In the power and presence of Christ. I want to show a short video, and it's a, it's a video that, that doesn't make me look good, and so that's a great reason to show it, to keep me humble. But uh, you're going to see my daughter share about an experience where we had uh, doing some power evangelism and just how naturally supernatural it can be. And I think it's, it's not so over the top that... that None of us can do it. Like, I think this is so, like, cookies are put on the low shelf here that any of us can do it. So if we could show that video, that would be awesome. A complete stranger at the grocery store, maybe even someone here today, I'd encourage you to go and pray for that person because it could change their life. So. Amen. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. So don't teach your kids this stuff. It'll make you do it. Um, <laughs> You know, all this happened because as we were eating breakfast, Emmy was looking not just with eyes of human eyes, but she was looking in the spirit and just happened to see, like, I think we're supposed to pray for this prayer, and had no clue why, and yet it makes a profound impact on this gal's life. You know, we can be naturally supernatural evangelistic people by looking and leaping. Well, how can we practice that? Well, one way we could practice that is just by simply asking a simple question, can I pray for you right now? And so as we get into conversations with people and we sense perhaps God is doing something, we can say, can I pray for you right now? Or Amy had a variation in hers where she said, you know, if God could do anything for you right now, what would you want him to do? Like when you go to lunch today with the waitress, you could actually like practice that. You could just say, hey, we, we, pray, for, we pray for our meals, you know. And even if you don't, you can say it. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you say, hey, we pray for our meals before we eat. And we would just love to pray for you. If God could do something for you today, what would you want him to do? And it's amazing how many people can, like, just say something. Okay, well, let's pray. And then maybe God gives you an encouraging word for them, and it makes an impact. You can look for the coworker who comes in after a, a hiking accident this weekend, and their ankle's bummed, and you can, like, hey, yeah, I noticed this, and this may seem weird, but, like, I actually believe in Jesus. I'm a follower, and I've seen him heal people. Could I just pray for you right now? It's a simple prayer, like, that God would take away your pain and would heal you. And you know, like, if nothing happens, they at least know you're a follower of Jesus, and they at least know you love them enough to try to do something, right? And you can just explain God's love and encouragement, you know? This simple question says a lot about our vineyard values. 
Can I pray for you right now? Like, we actually anticipate the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and the power and presence of God. You can be naturally supernatural people by looking and leaping, and you can just use this question, can I pray for you right now? So you can do that this week, like I've already said. As you leave here, you can do this at the store, you can do it at work, you can do it at your neighborhood, you can do it in your college or your school. You can actually practice this kind of thing. You could just ask people, if God could do anything for them right now, what would you want? You can look with eyes of faith. We have a guy in our church that's like super introverted, and like 10 years ago, we had a special speaker come and do some training on power evangelism, and like he just, he just took it as like a spiritual discipline, you know, like how we might pray every day or read the Bible. He just like said, I'm, every time I'm in a store, I go to the gas station, I'm just going to ask the Lord to highlight somebody. And it's so funny because he's so quiet and everything, and yet we've had families come to our church because he's prayed with them in the toy aisle at Walmart. You know, it's like, okay. It's just, he just, he just does it as a discipline. And if I'm honest, he's seen God move a whole lot more outside the four walls than I have <laughs> because he just keeps doing it over and over. Can I pray for you right now? Hey, I just... Get a question, like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and as I was walking through the store, this may sound weird, but you're highlighted to me. If God could do anything for you right now, what would you want him to do? Man, people open up. I don't know if you know this, but, like, people are pretty broken, pretty stressed out, pretty anxious right now. And if somebody will just say a question, they'll, they'll answer it oftentimes. So you can practice it this week, and you can practice it each Sunday. In fact, you can practice it today, and we're going to give you a shot to do that in just a few moments. Um, you know, uh, Sarah, are you going to sing? Do you do ministry time at the end? I forgot to ask you. If you could just come up as, uh, it's like a terrible segue, right? Um, uh, but she comes up and prepares. You know, I can imagine, like, if we would live this out, and you're a people who I know you, you live this out to some degree already, but just imagine if we all begin to do this. What if there's, I don't know what there is in the room, 100 people, 150, 200, whatever there are in this building right now, but just imagine, like, if we all just went out with eyes of faith and began to look at people with compassion, but also look with eyes from the Holy Spirit to see what the Father is doing. Just imagine what happens. You know, here's what I can imagine. For one thing... We wouldn't walk in here next Sunday like, Jesus, I barely made it through the week. Just, just, just give me enough so I can make it next week, right? Like sometimes we do that in church world, right? Like we just, we like, we start here on Sundays and we're like, you know, like, like we wonder if we believe by the end of Saturday. And then we come back and then we're like, right? What if we, what if the more normal thing for us, like it's awesome that if we come in limping that we, we receive from the Lord, right? All for that on Sundays. But what if the majority of us started going out doing the works of Jesus and sharing the word of Jesus during the week? Like we would come in amped up, ready to celebrate and worship our Lord. It's like, man, I saw him move. I saw him move in my school. I saw him, I saw him move at the food pan. I prayed for a person like they got zonked with the Holy Spirit or, or they said their shoulder felt better and they could move it or, or I shared my faith at work and I got to pray for a guy. And like you start doing that stuff, then you walk in here and go like, I've got something to celebrate. I saw Jesus move. And so instead of like us, us, you know, starting here and going down, it's like each week we kind of start here and we go up and we do the works of Jesus and we come back and we celebrate and we do the works of Jesus and we celebrate and we do the works of Jesus and we celebrate. I can imagine that for your church. I can imagine like, think of all the, 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 the webs of our relationships. Imagine how many people can be impacted if we just like started sharing our faith in very naturally supernatural ways and started seeing God show up.
It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Amen. Well, would you just stand and let's just wait on the Spirit here and just see what He might have for us. And if you're comfortable, then, then open up your hands. It's just a way for your head, heart, and body to connect. And just, let's just pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's continue to wait. If you're new, let me just explain. What we're waiting on is much like Peter and John had eyes to see people and also eyes to see what the Father is doing as we're waiting on the Spirit. We're inviting Him to come. And then the, the people who are following Jesus in the room are just simply asking, Lord, what are you doing right now? Help me see what you're doing. And what I'm doing, I'm literally just kind of watching with eyes of faith to see if the Lord might be on people doing something in our midst. more of the Spirit right where you're at. Just keep waiting. Just to encourage, uh, I don't know your name, but the bass player, like the Holy Spirit is on you. Just continue to receive more of the Spirit right where you're standing. Just continue to receive more. He's filling you up. He's renewing you. He has just seen how over and over again, no matter what life has dealt you, that you've kept the embers burning and you've, you've not let the enemy snuff those out and he's actually coming and breathing on you right now and bringing more of a fire in your heart. Um, and he, he's so pleased how you've, it's almost like you've guarded those embers. You haven't allowed the enemy to steal uh, uh, just your faith in following Jesus through good times and bad, and he said, I'm giving you more right now. I'm going to put a few more logs on the fire, and I'm going to increase just a sense of my love and power in your life. So just receive right now where you're at. Somebody have, you have an esophag, uh, like esophagus issue, um, like, uh, I believe you have acid reflux, and there's been some concerns about uh, possibly having Barrett syndrome. Um, and so, if somebody having some esophagus, heartburn, acid reflux issues, somebody have that. I believe the Lord wants to touch you. So, who is that? Amen. Right there. Anyone else? Amen. Do you, use, do you usually come forward for prayers? Would you mind just coming forward? We have the prayer team pray for you, ma'am. So, prayer team people can begin to come up. And just wait. You might, prayer team, you may just want to spread out because others, I think, are going to come. But somebody pray for this woman and just pray simple prayers of, of healing. I think there's a, there's a, this is going to be several people. But as I was talking, like, there's been a conviction as I've been talking. Like, I've lost kind of the heart for lost people or de-churched people. And I would love to just have a renewed sense of passion and compassion for the lost, for people who don't know Jesus. Like, Joel, I love the message, whatever. You know, 
love how I've put words in your mouth that make me look good. Love your message. Um, but I actually want to have a heart that breaks for lost people. And I've just, I haven't for a while. And so who's that? Just begin to come forward. Say, yeah, I just want to have more of a passion and compassion for lost people right now. So who's that? I think it's, it's going to be like five, six, or seven people that just need that. Amen. Would it be brave? Others, just come forward. If that's you, just come forward and receive prayer. And these, these folks are just going to pray that you would have the heart of the Heavenly Father who sees lost sons and daughters and that your heart would break. Who else? Amen. It's a brave thing to do.